0: Today's episode of the High Impact Man podcast, we feature Chad Bruff. He's a PAX of F3 in Omaha. He started F3 in Greensboro, North Carolina in 2015. He then in 2018 moved to Omaha where he planted a shovel flag there and he tells about that experience. He has 30 years of leadership experience spanning across multiple healthcare delivery systems, including rural community hospitals, large complex systems, academic medical centers, and the largest provider of home care in the world. He talks about his experience in work and in F3, and he is a member of the board of directors on F3 Nation. Let's hear from Chad Ruff what he has to say about leadership and as he tells his story.
1: Welcome to the High Impact Man Podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope.
2: Gosh, seek transformational relationships. What you're hearing from the
0: culture is not right. Pick up the
2: six, you know what I mean? But you never know who your six sometimes is. Stop being less.
0: To
1: help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs.
0: Well, here we go with another episode of the High Impact Man podcast. I'm your host, Nevin Gorky, known as D-Fib to the F3 guys out there in the world. Joined, as always, uh, by my brother, Troy Klinger, who's known as dial out there in the F3 world. And uh Dial-Up and I are getting ready to enter the forge on Saturday. And I have I have distributed the implements of Woe today. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, we'll see how exciting it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's our own homegrown seesaw that I have put together, though. So, um a three-hour tour, so to speak. We're going to involve rucking and getting wet and all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah, I was covering some of the ground last night that I expect you to take us on. And
0: you—you you were fast. Yeah, with a, with weight on. I was—I was seeing getting ready. He's getting ready getting for ready GTE for GT. 44, and he's got to push myself. I'm telling you, this guy doesn't just go out and do a race. He wants to be the best. It was,
1: it was a little bizarre though last night. Like I—I would uh, finished about three miles, and I got to where we come off the trail and you know just running on my getting used to just running off or not running but like you know working with just my red light and uh stop and I just set the coupon down just for a little bit to snag a drink and like had no idea some dudes like just like sitting out on the trail there like
0: really (laughs) no
1: lights on and like just sitting there like suddenly like I kind of see the shape over to the side in the dark in the dark (laughs) I'm like somebody over there he's like yeah I'm like How you doing? (laughs) Please don't kill me. You got a knife or gun, anything? I was like, all right. Yeah, so I don't know. A little bizarre. Yeah, that but, uh, is a little bizarre. I was on the I trail. I promptly picked up the coupon and uh, <laughs> yeah, just kept going. carried on my well, way. Well, he probably looked at
0: you and said, who is that guy with a cinder He's block? Like, What's the, yeah, who's the,
1: who's the guy with the rucksack <laughs> carrying a cinder block with a red freaking light on top of his head Out here a... on the trail in the middle of the night. Who's the weird guy? The yeah, weird, right. who's, I don't know which one of us is weirder, right?
0: <laughs> he was probably afraid of you. Uh, I was
1: waiting to like pass the cop as I was coming through the little development there and like right. you know, a cop to see me... like doing that and they were like did you steal that coupon from somewhere well, <laughs> well he wouldn't say coupon obviously right uh anyway that's speaking all good. of which
0: i hope nobody steals them where i put them <laughs> that's, hopefully they, they get a big pile of gravel at the end of the bottom of the hill There, they're going to spread i hope they don't do that tomorrow
1: <laughs> maybe i'll sneak out an item them
0: <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> throw you off that would that would see well, how you
1: see how you adapt right, everybody this
0: part of the drill is go find your coupon <laughs> There's actually a part of the um, wait time. We'll get to you. Don't worry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> there's a part part of the 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 trail from the bridge to the hill that I was going by today, and I looked up and it's like it's pretty steep. But there's it, but it's an opening, uh-huh. and there's a tree up there. I think like, I should, everybody, just just try to climb that hill with their rucksacks on and get yeah, to that I'm tree. Not. Well, because it's gonna be dark. So when we're there, we, we won't even be able to. I won't even be able to see where the tree is. I won't even know where it is. I should have put a marker there or yeah. something. You like that's,
1: go, yeah, if you could go out and like put a glow stick on it. Remember,
0: I hung glow sticks the uh, one time we went I out there. could maybe. To light the way know. a little bit. I got tomorrow to, d- to plan still, but yeah. I, that was, uh, believe me, if I could do that, I'm going to do that. All right. Wait, and, and no, none of our guys are going to hear this until after the event, so that's a secret to everybody Correct. else. They'll all be recovered by then. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks, enough about that. So um, our guest today is F3's wait time. Okay, his real name is Chad Bruff, and I'm going to just read you uh, his bio as way of introduction. So Chad Bruff is a PAX of F3 Omaha. And as it turns out, we found out right before we went on the air that he is a good friend of Slow Pitch, who's yeah. a friend of the podcast.
1: Shout out to Slow Pitch, one of our great Shout episodes out to slow pitch. early yeah. on.
0: He led the league in, in our podcast episodes for the longest time. Led the league, yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Most views. That's
0: right. Well, uh, Wait Time is a leader with 30 years of experience spanning across the healthcare delivery system from rural community hospitals, large complex systems, academic medical centers, and through the largest provider of home care in the world. Throughout his career, Chad... Uh, leads with an entrepreneurial spirit by building high growth strategies for new programs and service lines. Most recently, Chad transformed Homestead's non-medical home care delivery model to include clinical nursing services and an expanded scope of home care for aging adults. As health care increasingly shifts to the home, Chad has become a global thought leader in aging, family caregiving, and health care delivery in the home. He has served as an expert advisor on Care for the Aging to the World Economic Forum, the National Academy of Medicine, the Global Coalition on Aging, and he's spoken at South by Southwest as well. Uh, as well, Chad began F3 in 2015 in Greensboro, North Carolina in 2018. He planted the flag in F3 Omaha, and since moving to Omaha, Chad has served on the boards of the Ronald McDonald House and the MAHA Music Festival and the F3 Omaha Foundation. I'm feeling a little like an underachiever right now after reading that. He's a lowly CV search PA. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And not only that, but he serves on the board for F3. And so we've been trying to get wait time on the podcast for a while. We just finally got our schedules linked up. I gave him, I gave him one day to commit to being on today today, and he was gracious enough to (laughs) agree to it. So it's a short wait time. Yeah. (laughs) Very good. So wait time. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey, thanks. It's great to be here guys. I am excited to talk to you and, uh, shout out to all my packs in Omaha and slow pitch. Uh, we, uh, we bring our greetings from the middle of the country.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So now we, I said that you got involved in F3 in, uh, Greensboro. Um, tell us who EH'd you, how'd that happen? How'd you find out about F3?
2: Yeah, I think F3 Nation knows the guy who eh me pretty well. And it's none other than Tommy Boy, uh-huh. who's a podcaster himself. And, uh, Tommy boy and I, uh, crossed paths professionally and personally. And, um, I, um, I was always a runner. And so I, uh, happened to be rehabbing a running injury to my foot, uh, swimming in the neighborhood pool, swimming laps. And I hated swimming. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that Tommy boy came to the pool that day and rescued me from the pool by, uh, EHing me and offering me an invitation to the Latham Grinder, which was uh, F3 Greensboro's Monday workout at the time, and showed up there with him and uh, the Greensboro Packs. And uh, I, you know, everything we do in Omaha, I always say, is a tribute to the high impact men in Greensboro. Uh, we could not have learned from a better region, in my opinion, than, than the guys there. And uh, they helped us, they came out when we launched Omaha and helped us launch there.
0: Very nice. That's that's pretty cool, and it's it's it, you know it's um, there are no coincidences in life, but it just so happens that after we get done recording this episode, we're recording another episode tonight, and we're having Italian Job on, who nice. is the co-host with Tommy Boy yeah. for the Stuff We're Trying podcast. So yeah, there we go.
2: It's such a small world, in that three. It, it really
0: is, yeah. That's 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 pretty amazing. And I, I was
1: going to ask too. So Greensboro, so so were you there? Because has it been like five years that they've had the Iron Packs Challenge? So so you were there when that was starting, right?
2: Well, uh, I, Greensboro is not the region starting Iron Pack. I think it's Green Greenville. Maybe
1: is that? Oh, green- it is. Why am I? I'm being. It's, it's
0: not Greensboro. It's something else. It's
1: Green. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Why am I? Be, yeah, I'm being stupid. Greenswood? Green, I'm green. sorry. I just, We don't
2: want to get that wrong. I think it's Greenwood. I think you're right. Greenwood, yeah. it, it's Greenwood. Greenwood. That's yeah.
1: it. Yeah, yeah. My, I don't know where that came from.
2: You're going to get letters. I, yeah, gonna get they're going to complain. Yeah.
1: I was sick earlier this week, so I'm just going to blame it to medication. or. Folks
2: dial up, turned 50 a of, few months ago.
0: Death of
1: brain cells during my fever that I had on <laughs> Tuesday. Uh, so I'm sorry to the Iron Packs creators that I confused you with some other yeah. country okay. and... <laughs> in the collection of carolinas that's a
0: <laughs> no problem all right so uh wait time dial up and i usually try to guess how old guys got their f3 name before we ask you to tell us i got us. a real strong hunch on I, this one i think i'm gonna have the same guess you do go ahead yeah
1: so wait wait time you know the big thing there for a while was that you'd publish the wait times for the usually the emergency department so that you could yeah. go online to see how long it was going to take you to get seen given his career in healthcare. I'm going that route.
0: I, I'm, I totally agree with you. That's what I would say. Wait we're, time. We're probably totally wrong. Probably. Wait time. What do you <laughs> say?
2: Oh, wow. You guys are good. I, I always, uh, frame it as I did my job really poorly. Um, I introduced myself. I worked in hospitals and part of my job was to improve the service in places like the emergency department. Uh. The emergency department is nothing but wait time. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, that's, that's what stuck. Yep, there you go. High five,
0: we nailed one. Yeah, right, we got one. Have another extra piece of sushi. All right, I have another piece of sushi. So so, um, the other thing I failed to mention is that wait time is part of the board of directors of F3 Nation. And uh, we're going to get into that uh, along with um, a lot of other things that uh, he has to share with us. A lot of years of experience, really cool stuff in regard to uh, not just what he's done in his career, but what the future holds, because Dialup and I both work in healthcare, as you know. So this is uh, interesting to me, and it kind of matches with what uh, is kind of the trend or what's going on or the vision for uh, healthcare going forward. Uh, so if you're not interested in healthcare, that's okay, because what we're really going to talk about through that is how it, it can help each one of us learn to be a better leader. Yeah, you'll care someday when you need it. That's right. <laughs> you <laughs> right. will be there someday. <laughs> So, uh, wait time. Let's before we get to all that. Uh, tell tell us how you um, how life was for you when you were growing up. You know uh, where you grew up, your family life, that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. So um, I was uh, the child of two year nineteen-year-old parents in the seventies. Uh-huh. So I always tell people um, that um, my mom graduated in May, um, and back then she hit her pregnancy so she could march in the graduation ceremony because otherwise she wouldn't have been permitted. It was a different time and different era for young women. And she graduated in May. And I think uh, it was two weeks later, she married my dad. And about three months later, I was born. And so my parents grew up really quick. And, um, you know, it was kind of cool to have a dad who was pretty young. Um, my dad, you know, was in his thirties when I graduated high school and, um, was a pretty active guy at that point in his life and would play basketball with us. I played college basketball. Um, and, um, my dad and I would really go at it. You know, we were almost like brothers to the point that it was super competitive. And, um, some of the, some of my, peers would play in some of these pickup games where my dad and I would come to blows uh and really go at it and they would be so freaked out they'd be like these two got to be on the same team because <laughs> you know they're fighting uh like cats and dogs but um you know it was uh I learned a lot from my dad and my mom my mom um uh worked in a bank for a number of years but then started staying at home my dad uh, became a CPA uh, so I was always really inspired by the fact that, you know, here's a guy who was a 19 year old father worked in a factory on third shift, um, while going to school and becoming a CPA and it was just really self-made. He was the first person in his family to go to college. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, they just really had to grow up quickly. Yeah. Um, and then in my twenties, um, Like a lot of people that uh, this may happen to have a younger brother, um, who was four years younger than me. My brother graduated college or moved out. And, um, my parents were empty nesters and, and they divorced. Um, and it was a really tough divorce. Um, and my dad didn't do really well post divorce. And, uh, I used to always say, you know, uh, Part of my F3 story was to live a healthy life and particularly live post-50 better than my father did uh, because he just didn't do well. My dad died at at 60. Uh, So I'm 52 now. So I've I've only got about eight years till I'll be at that age. And and, um, I had an executive coach a little over a year ago hear me kind of tell this story of... About this next chapter, and I said, you know, I just don't want to be my dad. Yeah, and uh, that's part of what drives me with F three of being a better man. And and she said to me, you know, you can't. There's not a lot of possibility that you're creating in your life when you frame it as what you don't want to be. Mm. And that was really profound, you know, to me. Um, That you know, I had to I had to kind of draw a different meaning from it, and. Uh, It helped me kind of empathize a lot more with my dad uh, at that stage of his life. And, and I, have talked to a lot of F3 guys on pre-runs and at different moments. And there's a lot of us that would just say generationally, our fathers were different than we are. Mm -hmm. You know, there was not something like F3. I can't imagine my dad doing F3, you know, in in his late forties or fifties. But it's just a different, different time. And I'm, I'm blessed and feel grateful every day that there's this community that has allowed me to live differently than kind of how my dad lived. And, and we're just way more aware and seeing what is possible, I think, than, than what maybe our parents ever realized.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, uh, yeah, it's difficult when your parents divorce, no matter how old, how, no matter how old you are and, uh, and seeing uh, good and bad examples of our, of our folks. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can, I can relate to your to your story of having young parents. My my parents were seventeen and eighteen uh, when they when they had me and got got married because that's what you had to do back then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think maybe maybe the fortunate thing for me was that my parents got divorced when I was like six months old. Then you know because like they should never got married in the first place, so I, I never knew life with them married. I always just knew them as divorced parents, and that was just normal. That was just normal life for me, you know, growing up at a younger age, but. Um, but, but it is cool like you said though having having parents that are that are young and they're, they're more like your dad's more like an older brother you yeah. know, to you yeah. as you grow up and uh, I
2: you yeah. know I should say my mom remarried and um, my stepdad is posted on f3 we call him mongoose right. cause he's a he's a cyclist and um, you know I, I enjoy a lot you know, just the whole intergenerational aspect of F3. My, yeah.
0: Yep.
2: I posted with my 27 year old son, I posted with my, uh, 70, you may get mad at me if I get this wrong, 73 year old stepfather. And mm-hmm. it's really cool to, to share the gloom with your, your family. Yeah, yep. absolutely.
0: Generational thing. Yep. Well, that's cool. I, my parents were young too, but, uh, they stayed married and still are married. Although my mom's, uh, got Alzheimer's now in a nursing home. But, uh, yeah, I had a young dad too, and he was an inspiration to me because he would regale me with stories of his basketball exploits in high school. So, <laughs> my goal in life was to be a point guard on our local high school basketball team, like my father was. So, uh, anyway, I, I get it. So, you said you played basketball in in college. Uh, did is that was that your obviously your main sport when you were younger?
2: Uh, you know, back in the eighties. It, it could be a little bit of whatever was in season. Um, I did play football as well. Um, p- football was probably my better sport, but I decided not to play my freshman and sophomore year and focus on basketball and really missed football and went back out my junior and senior year. And it just missing those two seasons really set me back from a football standpoint and um, uh, just ended up. Excelling a lot more in basketball than I did football.
0: What position did you play in basketball?
2: I was point guard.
0: Hey, all right, uh, man. Me and you. Yeah, um, yeah. What college did you go to? Uh,
2: I went to Hanover College, a small college in southern Indiana, uh, Division three. That's kind of true student athletes, you know. And uh, <laughs> I always tell people fam- our most famous graduates. From Hanover College, were there at the same time and on very different ends of the political spectrum. Mike Pence, former Hello. vice president, and Woody Harrelson, um, <laughs> wow, a actor. So, yeah, uh, those guys both went there and might have been in the same graduated class. Even and uh, have done quite well in their in their specific fields.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wait. So did Woody play basketball?
2: Uh, actually, Woody loved basketball. He did not play on the team, but. Um, he went back a few years. My brother also graduated from Hanover. My brother has played pickup basketball with Woody, um, but Woody Woody was not on the team. But he did play. Uh, but you could tell he could shoot. You saw the movie, right? Uh, I'm
1: Okay, I was going to look yeah. at you. I'm like, I hope you're yeah. picking up what I'm putting down here. Like yeah. you do know the movie, right? White man can't. Judge. Okay, just yeah. making sure. All
0: right, we're good. Great movie. Great movie. <laughs> he had it a, is, a yeah. little bit, little bit unorthodox shot, but man, it went in. Yeah, I don't know how many takes it took to shoot all those. Make all those shots, but yeah, he, a little camera. He definitely could handle the ball. It looked like he, he knew what he was doing.
2: Yeah, If yeah, yeah. you remember, you know Woody coming out into Cheers was kind of his first real right. role. He talked in Cheers. His name was Woody on Cheers, and he was from Hanover, Indiana. Oh, that was where he, that he, is, they I kind didn't of didn't remember that. Wrote that little piece of it into the storyline.
0: Nice, very cool. <laughs> yeah, very cool. <laughs> what did you graduate? What degree did you graduate with from college?
2: Uh, I was a business administration major. Um, but it was a liberal arts school. I really went, I went to college thinking I was going to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. I loved to write. Uh, I was the editor in chief of the campus newspaper and, um, thought I was going to go down a path of, of writing for a newspaper or magazine. And lo and behold, I was laying a newspaper out one spring term. And one of our other editors said, uh, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this internship at Jewish hospital in Louisville. Uh, I don't think I'm going to take it. It's in a marketing and communications. Would you want to do it? And I was like, sure. You know, I was a kid that would say yes to things. And I, I went down and met with them. And when I got there, they said, we don't have this internship any longer in marketing, but we have one over in strategic planning.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I said, sure. <laughs> and so uh, I do this internship in their strategic planning department and had never given any consideration of going into healthcare. But enjoyed it. Uh, got to work on some strategic plans of some rural hospitals uh, near where I grew up in southern Indiana, and um, took a job at one of those coming out of college, and kind of cut my teeth in healthcare. Then,
0: yeah, you've been healthcare industry your whole life, yeah. then your whole career. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. What can? you, What do you want to share about that? Like your your career in healthcare?
2: Um, you know, I I think um, I would just say you know, and you guys are in healthcare as well, that I think healthcare is a calling, you know. Um, I, I would have always, uh, when I was working in hospitals, and I'm not in a hospital any longer, but when I was working in hospitals, um, I would often greet our new employees on the first day of orientation and, and really say, you know, first I'd ask them, have you ever worked at a hospital before? And it was always good to, contextually know your audience and particularly if this was their first tour of duty in healthcare in the hospital and I was just like you you really have to understand what you signed up for because when you work in healthcare you are meeting people in the most vulnerable moments of their life yeah for most people you would say maybe the happiest moment of your life happened in a hospital if you had children birth of your kids and a lot of people would say the scariest darkest moment of their life happened in a hospital you know you lose a family member, um, and I've seen that happen time and time again. So it's just a real calling and I think a, a sacred type of space that that people have to really understand what they're signing up for mm-hmm. when they do it.
0: Yeah, that's well said. I think, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we, we all work in different aspects of healthcare. So I'm a provider. I'm a physician assistant. Dial-up works in the IT department. He was in cardiac rehab oh, yeah. before that. And, uh, and you work in the, from the strategic planning standpoint you know and uh, um, but but in, in all of it you know, really is a calling because we got to remember what we're doing and the mission is yeah. to take care of take care of folks uh, yeah. so you know you talked about uh, the move toward uh, home care and our uh, five-year vision in our institution uh, basically is trying to find a way it's not just preventative medicine, but it's trying to find a way to take care of folks without having to have to come to the hospital basically. Yeah. And, uh, so tell us about that because that, I think that's not, not just unique to our institution because the demographics are changing, right. And that's going to have an impact over the next five to years and longer. Uh, a lot more older folks because of the baby boomers getting older and they need healthcare more frequently, et cetera. So, uh, tell us us about your work there.
2: Yeah. Um, You know, 10,000 people a day turn 65 right now in the United States, and hospitals are just not equipped for this at all right now. And, um, you know, when when I put together kind of the the strategic plan, working with the leadership team uh, of Home Instead, you know, we kind of positioned this as healthcare is becoming full circle back to the home. You know, healthcare wasn't always offered in hospitals in the United States. Uh, it was delivered in the home. Yeah. And when we started using anesthesia and certain infection control practices, hospitals started being built. Um, and, you know, there's just challenges with the cost and scale. And, um, and frankly, people just don't want to be there if yeah. they don't have to be. And more and more things are being able to be moved in the home. And, and we saw what happened with COVID right. Uh, right. And, and which more and more could be offered there. And so I just believe that that um I, I say that bricks are going to be replaced with clicks. That just like you and the three of us are talking here on a on a Zoom call, a lot can be done that way in a very affordable fashion. And particularly when there's so many workforce shortages and places in the country that just don't have access to health care because of of geography. Uh, that you can reach a lot more people potentially if, if we find new ways to deliver it. So yeah. I, I believe very strongly in that. And um, uh, I know we've lost, I, I think a little bit of momentum uh, that we seem to have gained through the pandemic, but um, I, I still think there's a lot of interesting, innovative things happening on the horizon.
0: Yeah. I'm so I, one of my uh, concerns with that is uh, the older folks don't have um uh, the experience, the understanding, or even the maybe the, the equipment to uh, converse via Zoom and email and uh, all this uh, non-personal, you know, not in-person stuff. And I have experience personally with that with my family. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know what happens with a lot of these people. They just say, oh, forget it. And then they just drop fall through the cracks and they don't get care. So, I mean, is that a concern uh, for you guys planning these things and everything? Because, you know, like you said before, you know, a long time ago, people got taken care of in the home, but the doctor made house calls. Yeah. And now we're asking folks to pick up some kind of computer screen and figure out how to navigate that.
2: Mm -hmm. It's a fair concern. It absolutely is. Not only uh, knowing how to use it, but I would also say in some parts of the country. Uh, that don't have great internet access, even, you know, accessibility to the technology is not everywhere. So we have a long way to go that way. Um, But I think we've made strides, you know, and and generationally more and more people will be aging into it. You know, my Mm -hmm. parents who are now in their 70s are very competent using these types of technologies. And um, so it's going to take a while for us to adopt it. But I, you know, I think the big thing is, and and this was where a a lot of my work happened was, you know, just staying focused on the customer's needs and how we uh, deliver care in ways that the patient wants it, needs it, deserves to have versus what's convenient for us, Mm -hmm. you know, as providers. And so often, you know, we have have done what is more easily done for ourselves than what's Best for the patient
1: on the delivery side. Yeah, yeah. I always think of it. You know, it's a, it, like it's like a car lot, right? Not everybody when it goes to the car lot wants a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Some want a car. Some want a, you know. Some actually want a sports car. And uh, you know, for the delivery of healthcare, you got to you got to give the patient options as far as what what meets their needs and what they what they want. Some of them are still going to want to come in and mm-hmm. have that hands on, like you're talking about. And uh, I keep but, that option available to. Them.
2: Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you, though that. You know, I think all, all healthcare technology solutions have to be wrapped in service. You know, like, like technology itself doesn't solve healthcare problems very well because of the way it's so complex. And, and so I think, to your point, the best solutions around that also may need some sort of in-home caregiving solution right. that could, could help people through some of those challenges that you're talking
0: about. Yeah. And it's a, uh, there, w- w- when I went through school, which was back in the late eighties and they taught it in medical school, as well as PA school is a, a, a significant part of your job as a provider was what they call the laying on of hands. Yeah. Right. It's just that physical touch when you examine a patient and you're, you're right there and you're talking to them and they could see your facial expressions and they know you care. Um, That's, that was a, I think, I think that's a significant part of what we do. Uh, and when you have a, you know, 10 minutes set aside for a phone call conversation or a zoom conversation, we're missing that. So yeah. this is one of my concerns, you know, but it's the way it's going and the demographics are forcing our hand in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah. I think it, that's a very fair concern. And, you know, I, I like the analogy earlier about the truck by and, and the different levels. Like, I think we have to just think through where it's right. And then alleviate some of the volume uh, that you know that needs to be done in person that that, that could now be done more easily in person um because the patient really needs it there yeah. versus being able to stay at home and doing it um a little less invasively.
0: Yep, I hear you, brother. All right. Well, um Tell us now, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of change course here a little bit. I want to talk to you about uh, your experience of moving out to Omaha and planting the Shovel Flag out there. So Yeah. yeah tell us about that.
2: That's kind of a fun story. Um, you know, first of all, i say the Greensboro guys were just so kind and supportive when I, I made that move. It was a big move across the country, and um, they sent me off with, some fanfare and got gave me a shovel flag, and then uh, I really knew when I moved out here in 2016. I wanted to have the Omaha here, and um, I was at the time living in an apartment, um, and uh, the the apartment had a park right in front of it. And so this is this is no exaggeration. I literally pulled my car into the parking spot, got out of it, pulled the shovel flag out of the trunk planted it in the ground took a picture of it and tweeted it from f3 Omaha's Twitter handle nice. not yet. <laughs> and so I you know a few days later I get this email from Wojo who was the Nantan in Greensboro and he said uh, hey I just got this email from f3 nation expansion and they want to know this is one of our guys mm-hmm. what's What's he doing? <laughs> for it. And I just laughed. And expansion back in those days was done a little bit differently. It was a little bit more formalized where you had to be approved. And, mm-hmm. and so I said, I get it. I'm not trying to launch. Uh, I need to get settled in. But I'm, I'm enthusiastically going to be ready uh, when F3 Nation is ready. And so that call came about two years later. It took some time um and they called me two years two years um wow you know back then you know i mean honestly they're they're probably the closest region to omaha back then was either minneapolis or chicago what year is this uh this would have been 2016 to 2018. okay so that this kind of upper midwest wasn't very well established Mm -hmm. um and so we were part of the LEAP program and um, F3 at that time would help launch a region like Omaha. And I was able to bring some of the PACS members from Greensboro to come out and lead a few workouts and help us get started. And, and so, uh, in, um, 2018, um, in January, I started just meeting with some friends individually. In a parking lot, in a parking garage, and we started working out because one, I had to get myself back into shape (laughs) to lead these workouts. And so I called these five guys my Fab Five. They were the first five, and we just started doing the workouts just like it was an F3 workout. And then uh, officially in April of 2018, we launched. Uh, At first, the FV nation folks thought we should launch in February. And I was like, we're not launching in February in Omaha. Right. <laughs> uh, <it's> brutally. <laughs> um, and we, uh, we launched in April and, um, sacked from Greensboro came out and led that first workout. We had twenty twenty five 25 Omaha guys. Show oh, wow. Up. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's just really exploded here, guys. I mean, um, if you if right now, I think we have over sixty AOs. We have about yeah. eight to ten workouts every day across spread across Omaha. Right, and uh, you know I, I attribute that to um, our our current Nantan Tater Tot and um, and our broader leadership team. It's just really extraordinary. It's it's a special thing we have here in Omaha. Nice.
0: Nice and all because you planted the shovel flag. Yeah. That's pretty cool. He just pulled up with a truck, saw things, stuck the flag, and here we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Very little, nice. did I,
2: little did I know. It was. It's. It's been fun to to watch this.
0: Yeah, I'll bet. Now you said before you were a runner. Are you still running?
2: Not like I did. Um, now I say that tomorrow. Uh, there's a team eight. A team of eight of us who are doing a race, a seventy five miler from. Um, uh, Omaha to Lincoln called market to market. So I still will do some races now and then. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, ne- normally I post about six days a week with F3, um, and uh, that's that's kind of my my physical fitness outlet right now.
0: Yeah, nice. What kind of workouts are they? Are they all different, like running boot camp kind of stuff? Or
2: yeah, we yeah. have some running aos, we have boot camp, we have weights only. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some rucking, um, Omaha, I think tends to lean a little more into running than rucking. Uh, we haven't quite, we, we do have a, a, a smaller group of ruckers here, but we have a lot of guys who really like to pound the pavement running here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You're speaking dial-ups language now.
0: That's right. It's <laughs> my love language. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're, we're kind of the same way. Yeah. We've tried to get rucking going as well and it just really hasn't, hasn't caught on, but yet we've converted quite a few guys to, to runners uh
0: yeah yeah we've got a lot of guys running that didn't run before yeah, so. i think um i think it's going to happen though because because of you committing to the gte and uh you know just doing this c-sop saturday yeah. and i did a ruck beatdown rinse for horsepower friday once i think i think we're maybe going to get some momentum going that way yeah, and who we'll knows just, what it'll be like yeah we just need to catch
1: catch the guy that <clears throat> wants to truly take a hold of it and make it his own and right. make it happen we yeah. just haven't found that guy yet yet not yet yet,
2: yet. I think that's a true, that's a truism of anything in F3. You know, you just have to find the right leader. Yeah, that's right.
0: All right. So you're on the board of directors. How did that come about?
2: Uh, You know, I I went through, we, with the board of directors for F3 nation, there's a, an application process that you go through. Um, you know, it's just something that, that really, um, I felt called to do. Uh, I've, served in a, a, a few other different roles. I was a troubadour for a while. Mm-hmm. We were doing that. And, you know, when you... With, with any leadership role in F3, I'd say whether you're a site cue, uh, whether you're a Nantan, um, a weasel shaker, you know, you, you, you finish that particular role and you transition it, as you should, you know, uh, you're looking for what's next. And, you know, for me, I, I felt like we had a story to share in what goes on here in Omaha. And when I applied for the board, you know, I said, um, I really um, want to make sure that as we grow, and I love the way FB Nation is is grown and more accessible to men across the world. I also just feel strongly that we got to make sure that we stay true to what it is. Right. Our principles, our mission, our credo, uh, because that's what really makes it special, you know, is how do we, how do we make sure that it, F3 keeps its saltiness?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I, that's really well said. I mean, that's, that's my concern when we, as we get bigger, you know, and our central command sort of grows from just, you know, dread and OBT and then the guys. And we, uh, our current podcast episode is with AP and he was involved, in, uh, the first chairman of the board, I guess. Um, yeah. and uh, and stuff like that. But as it grows, you know, and then we got the foundation where now we're handling money and stuff. You know, my concern is that we like any organization or team or whatever, it it starts to drift away from the original mission. So yeah, I'm glad glad to hear you say that.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big organization and um, it's a volunteer organization. Right. And so, you know, you have to be thoughtful about how you engage and um, manage volunteers and um, but there's been many, many organizations that uh, have, have um, endured over the course of decades. You think about organizations like Alcoholics Anonymous that exist mm-hmm. across the world, and about any major city, you can go into a meeting, um, and it's a volunteer-led organization, and I think that F three has a bright future, um, but as we as we move forward, we just have to stay true to who we are and mm-hmm. make sure that new regions are supported well.
0: Yeah, I always think of the church. I don't know about you, Dial Up. I always think of the church when it comes to volunteer organizations.
2: Yes, yeah. that's a great metaphor. I think you know, and and just like with anything, uh, probably one of the areas in a church that creates the most tension is the offering and how money is stewarded. And, right. and so I understand, you know, when people see that we're beginning to prop up a foundation and raise money that, that they want to know that it's being used well. And I believe we have leadership in our foundation and we're being thoughtful about how we, um, we steward that money in a way that, that makes the biggest impact.
0: Yeah. That's good stuff, man. Yep. All right. So uh, you just felt, Called to do it and, and applied, and now you're on the board, man. That's cool. Do you guys ever get together physically, or you pretty much do everything Zoom wise?
2: Yeah, no, we we get together in person twice a year. We'll be meeting again in late October, uh, and when we uh, we meet together, the the executive team and the board meet together and do updates, and uh, we also have some Zoom meetings as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's you know it's a lot. It's a it's a lot that. I'm always inspired, particularly by the executive team who, you know, all these guys have day jobs and they have really big jobs and, and, um, missions and plans for F3 nation. And, and I, I know they're not doing this just full time. You know, they have completely other lives. So it's inspiring. Anything new coming down the, down the road that we don't know about? Ah, new coming down the road. No, I don't, you know, I don't think that I would say that there's anything that is just really different than what we've been looking at. You know, um, I think we just want to continue to to one find ways to effectively measure success. Yeah. You know, what does success look like? Right. Um, and when you're running a volunteer organization, you know, you have to be mindful of what you're asking regions to track and what. You're doing, and you don't want to get lost in all the numbers. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, you know, you're you're also wanting um, to understand how we're doing. You know, with, mm-hmm. with your mission, um, and I, you know, I kind of liken it to think about it. I, I come, you know, in the, my home care world from a, a franchising delivery model. Our home care company was was franchised, and these are a lot like franchises, right? And yeah. so when when you sell a franchise you you know there's certain ways that you want to ensure it's being operated and branded um and you want to make sure that they're they're being effective and doing their outreach and so it's it's similar to that in some ways honestly right and and it's not really you know in in ways to um create competition among the regions but But I think it's important for us to understand when we see a region, maybe two regions, that that um, come live around the same time, and one why one flourishes and one doesn't seem to quite um, um, spread across the city in the same ways. You know why? What can we learn from that? And not in a way to criticize, but, but, you know, just help learn from what happened over there and utilize it, um, in, in the other place. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's good. <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess one area I think about maybe just to kind of share is like, um, you know, a lot of organizations for, for their employees will have like, you know, like a marketing toolkit, you know, with, you know, standard slide decks and, uh, you know, cover letter and, you know, that, that could go on and on and on you know, that's an area where, you know, maybe there could be some benefit out there for, for, you know, new regions that are starting just to kind of, have standard standard tools like that you know if you want to oh hey you know i know we kick around ideas right like hey let's let's put a new uh, flyer together right you know if there was a, if there was one out there that's kind of like templated and that that everybody's using and it's like hey just grab it you drop in your pictures you plug in your workout locations and boom you're ready to go like that that like I don't stuff know if tools that like that would
0: specifically be cool. exists but i think and we'll find out when we interview ta- our uh, italian job next. maybe week. there is and i don't know i think it. there is uh, there are things like that out are there, in a okay. stuff worth trying, manual kind of thing. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, yeah, there is, and you know, Tommy Boy's podcast I think is a great tool to stuff worth trying and and to learn from them. And, um, so your idea was so good, they're doing it. So
1: right, like they were right on top of that. It's amazing, <laughs> like they turned it around. Even like started starting a Facebook page, starting a Twitter yeah. account, like all like all those little things like that. So yeah. all right, we're gonna learn things on our next uh, episode. <laughs> I would
2: say. But I, but I would also say I have a pretty strong perspective that, you know, this is somebody said this to, to me the other day, and it really summed up my perspective, which was you don't have to tell the world. You just have to tell one guy yep. yeah, over and over uh-huh. and over. I mean, it's such a simple equation of we get very, you know, we're a really big region in Omaha, but we get very few guys who come from a newspaper article, which we've had written yeah. or, you know, some sort of press, by and large, it's just that invitation to join. Right. You know, is what gets people out. And and it, it's kind of that and in, in building your leadership team, you yeah. know, it can't be done by a single person. Um, and and um, the more you can build the leadership team, the more it'll just proliferate. Uh, proliferate. Yes, a hard word. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a good word for anybody in leadership. You know, don't do it alone. Uh, You should develop what we call a shared leadership team, Uh, bring in people that uh, enhance your, whatever you got, you know, bring in guys that are even smarter and uh, have skills in other areas. And uh, that's how we did it here. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's a model that works. Speaking of that, I mean, you, you obviously brought a lot of experience of leadership experience with you when you joined F3. What, how has F3 uh, helped or enhanced or what have you learned through F3 to become a better leader
2: yourself? Oh, boy, that's, <clears throat> that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, I think just one, um, surrounding myself with men that make me better, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think that's so essential in life of who you surround yourself with. Um, you know, I, I, I would say to you, I tell people this a lot. The young version of me, I grew up in competitive sports, focused a lot on competition. Yeah. And I always said, "I." the young version of me walked into the room and looked for the ladder to climb. And um, I think what I really learned through F3 is the importance of um, keep an eye on the six, that it's not about competition. Um, to me, it's about keeping the game going. It's like the... You know, there's no better metaphor for F3 than the movie The Sandlot, you know, yeah. and you all you really care about is how do you keep the game going.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and that is not who I was as a young man. You know, I was a young man who cared more about, you know, how fast I could run a 10K mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and what I didn't realize is that in, in being so focused on performance and competition how lonely i was Mm -hmm. and how little fellowship i had in doing it and so that's really what f3 taught me
0: nice that's a good word man yeah Uh, and i think that's a natural progression for guys as we age we're supposed to go through phases you know the the warrior stage followed by the king stage and then the sage stage you know and we're three of us sort of entering the sage. Stage of life. I'm a little further ahead than the two, the two of you, but I don't know how sagey I am. But uh, that's kind of where we find ourselves. Not that we don't like to compete. We just can't beat the twenty-year-olds anymore. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, it's kind of fun. We, I, I would tell you one thing. I, I do love that we do here in Omaha, and I don't know how much it's done in other regions, but you know, we do a lot with our respect packs, and we've kind of turned it into people look like. I heard it the other day. People actually look forward to turning 50 uh-huh. um, because mm-hmm. they get to join the club. And our respect packs um, meet once a month for a pop-up for just the respect guys. Um, or, you know, you can come to the respect pop-up if you bring an F&G. Uh, oh. If you're not yet. And uh, and we read books together that are really about aging and about yeah. the, this – Chapter of our life, and right. uh, I, I think it's a, a fascinating kind of social experiment to just see how men are aging through F three and yeah. how healthy they are and in the lives that they're living.
0: Yeah, that that's a that's a great um, a great perspective there. I, I wonder if anybody could even study that. That'd be pretty interesting to do. Yeah, you know how do how do guys go if say somebody joins F three when they're forty? You know, what are they like when they're fifty five? Interesting. There's a bit of pr- right. there's a bit of pride
1: though of entering that the respect category. Like I yeah. like it's the one thing like I kind of looked forward to it. You know, usually you're like dreading your birthday but like I don't know, I was kind of like looking forward to it when I hit 49 I was like dude, in a year I get to be in the respect category. And that's going to be pretty <laughs> that's cool. That's because
0: you'll be 50, you'll be kicking
2: all
1: the respect no, guys. But no, no, it's butts. not about that. No, it's just <laughs> I don't know. Like I I I think some of it's cuz I admire a lot of the guys yeah. that are in that age group. And um, most of our workouts and, are respect. True, right? yeah, we're probably like seventy five percent respect. That a lot of times we are, but <laughs> I guess I just admire a lot of the guys that, that are in our packs that are of that respect category. And it's it's because you know um, what they what they have to share, what they have to offer from life experiences in yeah. and the, and the wisdom that they can provide. Sage, and so it was it was cool to, to become part of that group yeah and, uh, welcome aboard thanks man
0: i'm almost i'm almost i'm three years from respect respect so. <laughs> let you know how that is I, I can tell you i'm not looking forward to that <laughs> but hey Wait. whatever you know man whatever the lord wills I'm, right. I'm moving along no matter what so you look really young for that i would have well, never given thank you i don't even you know we have don't, the filters don't
1: yeah don't yeah it's kind of distant from the uh right camera but yeah
0: <laughs> i appreciate that though i'm telling my wife he said that Hey, uh, I know we're running out of time with you because you have a hard stop here. You got to get rolling. So I got two more questions for you that we ask all of our guests. So uh, the first one is, and I think I know what you're going to say, but we'll see. So maybe I don't know. Um, If you were to pick somebody, it could be somebody from the distant past, could be somebody presently, whatever. It could even be a fictional character, I guess, whatever. Uh, If you were to pick somebody that inspires you, motivates you, kind of like a hero, who would you pick?
2: Oh, boy, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of those. Um, but I, you know, I, I kind of think in this chapter of my life, um, I think about my grandmother. Oh, um, wow, you know, my, my grandmother Nellie, um, lived to be 99 years old. Um, she was a widow for 30 years, wow. N- never drove a car. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably never made more than $12,000 a year Mm -hmm. Um, was about four foot 10. And I have a picture of her. I don't have it here in my office, but I have a picture of her her 95th birthday playing wiffle ball in my side yard, Uh uh, getting a hit. Uh, And she just lived life very vibrantly and um, enthusiastically and, was always ready to go. Always was ready. Uh, offered a ready hug, um, and um, and everybody in my little town where I grew up knew who she was. And you know, she just she just lived a a wonderful life. One of which was focused on fellowship and a lot of the things that we enjoy in F three. And I think about her and how I want to you know live out my years.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's a great uh, answer. I don't think anybody ever said their grandmother before. That's uh, yeah, cool. it's
1: really cool. And dude, you brought such a, you brought a huge smile to my face when you mentioned the wiffle ball thing because my grandma, I think she was eighty two or eighty three at the time, and we have a we have a big family get together at late on uh, uh Labor Day. And uh we we always have a wiffle ball game. And there's video of my grandma when she was like eighty two or eighty three batting. Nice and getting a hit. You all know, right like and hitting the ball really well, and okay. it comes up on, you know, one, one of the grain, one of the grandkids posted it, you know, on Facebook, and so it just comes up on our timeline every year, and it's just a great. She's passed away since, but it's just a great memory that that you know we have as a family to share, and it, it that's it made me smile just because it just makes me think of that memory that we get every year of my gram, and just thinking, wow, like I want to be like her, you know, yeah, uh, you know, in a lot more ways than just that, but just yeah. you know, still vibrant and uh, living life you know, at a a later age.
0: That is cool. I would, you know, but neither of my grandmothers would ever try, even attempt (laughs) hitting a (laughs) wiffle ball. They are both passed away now, but yeah. So, um, last question. This is your chance to speak to the men of America. What is your message for the men of America?
2: Oh my gosh. Um, no pressure. Yeah. You know, like uh, I told you earlier, um, I like to, you know, I I thought I was going to be a writer someday and, you know, I, I don't know. I would someday i would love to write a book. I don't know if I ever will. Um, but I part of. What I've done in the last year was I, I've taken all my COTs and have begun to kind of put them together to see, like, what is there? You know, you, you deliver all these COTs and you do this for eight years and you have to think a lot and write a lot and reflect a lot and. Our, our packs in Omaha deliver some really inspiring COT messages,
0: so
2: mm-hmm. you have to kind of come there ready to really uh, deliver something and, and so um, I would just say that what's really been on my mind lately is is um, you know to me what, what really is the enemy of, of a man in this day and age is, is numbing themselves mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, I think there's a lot of different things that that people believe is is what the real enemy is. But I just think that numbing themselves comes in a lot of forms or fashions. It could be alcohol. It could be a lot of unhealthy behaviors. Um, And there's just something that happens to a man if they don't have purpose in their life, whether it's spiritual purpose or... Uh, a group of friends and fellowship that, that can somehow uh, pull them out of the numbness. And, and and I was one of those guys that was doing that for a while, you know, particularly through COVID. um, You know, I would, like a lot of guys have a drink or two every night and I was coming home and, and at the time I was leading our organization through the pandemic and, I would find different excuses of why I deserve this drink. And I would not have necessarily characterized myself of having a drinking problem, but I had a numbing problem for sure. And, um, and, and I I just sort of confronted that through my shield lock and through my own reflections and therapy and executive coaching and that, um, I feel like that's the real enemy to men out there these days. And mm-hmm. I would just encourage all the sad clowns and the people to just ask themselves what they're numbing and, and why, and, and how do they really sit with that? And how do they surround themselves with, with people who can guide them through that? And whether that be a therapist, a shield lock group, um, an executive coach, uh, an M Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, just don't allow yourself to, to, to just kind of punch the clock and, and numb yourself night after night. Cause I see guys that are doing that and, um, and I'm grateful for F3 because it really makes it hard to do that Yeah, to, yeah. and do these workouts if you've behaved poorly the night before.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's easy to become apathetic when you're like that. You yeah. become apathetic and you lose, you kind of lose hope. Right, and uh, I think you know, not it all works together. But the fellowship with the guys it really helps. But also the uh, just getting out there in any weather and working out, yeah. you know, it's it's that inherently builds some confidence and uh, and like, hey, what can I do with the rest of my life?
2: Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Do hard things, and it, you you'll shock people into what they're capable of. That's right,
0: yeah. good word, man.
2: Yeah, well
1: done. Well said.
0: Got any other questions for wait time there, brother? No, I think we've we've
1: done our usual, right? We've talked to a high impact man here.
0: We have spoken to another high impact man. Yeah, yep. I
1: beat you to it this time. You did?
0: Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Hey, well, uh wait time, you uh make sure uh, first of all, God bless you. Thank you for joining us and make sure you give Slow Pitch a big hug for us. Tell him we said hi. I sure will. And uh yeah. you know, tell him to you know, get a hold of me and tell I'd like to hear from him. See how he's doing. Maybe I'll just text him later tonight.
2: Yeah, do that. He would love to hear from you. And, yeah. and I just want to say thank you to both of you. You know, um, I really believe it's important that, you know, we, we offer a way to tell some of the stories of PAX members throughout F3Nation. And yeah, I really enjoy listening to all of the different podcasts that exist across F3Nation. and Thank mm-hmm. you for what you do and uh, sharing this story and allowing me to share today.
0: Nah, it's our pleasure, man. We were honored yeah. by it.
2: Yep, we.
1: We take a lot of joy in just hearing hearing the stories of inspiration and hope that we talk yeah,
0: about. Right? Yeah, exactly. So. Every guy has a story. That's right. All right, brother. God bless you. Be good out there.
2: Yeah, you too. Good luck with your seesaw.
0: Thank you. Good All luck right, with your you. run.
2: Yeah, thank you. All, All right, right, man.
0: Take see, care. See you later.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.